Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Calm Collective. I'm Cassandra, and I am so happy that you're here with me today. It is going to be a huge, huge, huge gift to The Collective to listen to this episode. Kylie Macbeth is joining me today. You might know her from Instagram, at beingisbeautiful. She is one of the biggest light workers that I've come across as far as just really unveiling the human experience and stepping into true self-worth and true grounding and she is just such a force such a powerful vessel and I feel really honored to be sharing space with her today and that she felt called to join me here on the podcast we go into so much on this episode there is no small talk here Um, Something that I really, really appreciated about this conversation was it resonated on such a soul level for the two of us. We really took our time and we really dissected each and every point of this conversation. Everything from relationships and conscious uncoupling and taking time for ourselves, learning who that is outside of the patriarchy and society's norms, whatever that means. We talk about these times with COVID-19, what it means, what it's bringing forth for all of us, how we're dealing, what we're learning, what we're shedding. And we also touch on trauma and just how universal and human that experience is. And we kept coming back to this point of pain and beauty, right? Pain and beauty, beauty and pain. It's like this loop of the human experience. And the insight that Kylie has behind what that feels and also what that can look like from an energetic soul level. It was just really profound. And again, I'm a broken record, but I'm just really grateful that she was able to create the space and um, come along for this journey with me during a very sensitive time. And I'm also really grateful that all of you are showing up and creating space to listen to these episodes. And right as I say that, it is 3.33, which is the number of creativity. So I'm going to close out on that perfect, beautiful note. Thank you for being here. Enjoy the show with Lightbeam Kylie Macbeth. Okay, Kylie, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for having me, love. Of course. So I like to start off interviews by painting a picture for all the listeners. So with that being said, could you tell us just where you are in this moment and what life is looking like for you right now? (sighs) (laughs) I love that. Give me a snapshot of what's going on. You know, where I am technically is in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and with that being said, I am currently feeling embodied and anchored. And I think a lot of that is, is a reflection of the work that I've been doing over the last 10 months, but maybe probably just the last eight years. If I put it, if I zoom out a little bit, um, after my divorce, it catalyzed such a deep inward journey of like, who are you? And like, how did you get there? And how do we never make it back there again? Mm-hmm. Um, now I've realized that I'm going to circle and spiral and hit the same place over and over. And it'll be, you know, just a lovely adventure um, to write about. Uh, so right now I'm, I'm moving through 
A lot, I would say, especially considering our global circumstances um, and and really what that's bringing up for the collective, but also for me internally. And I think that's a lot of a mirror reflection in a lot of ways. But I consider what we're moving through like a cultural rock bottom or a collective or global rock bottom moment. And I'm actually writing a book about relational rock bottom moments right now. And I got to tell you, it is so hard to write a book about relational rock bottoms when the whole cultural paradigm is hitting a rock bottom. Oh, I I'm bet. Like, does this even matter? Yeah. Like, should I be talking about like, the actual paradigm that's crumbling around us or should I be just focusing on relationships? And so it's been like an interesting kind of, um, internal navigation around just perspective. Mm -hmm. And although we have so many invitations on the table right now in, in regards to our collective and really the work that we're being called to do, um, which is, I believe, the reclamation of the feminine principle. And what that means to me is the reclamation of our bodies, mm. our feelings, our emotions, our relationship to Mother Earth, to all of humanity. So really looking at all these systems and structures um, and asking ourselves these questions about, okay, what really matters? Like when we are in our cult, like shared humanity, uh, what is asking to be birthed from that place mm. of love, of reverence, of, of connection and intimacy? So... I'm navigating some of the bigger micro or bigger macro conversations internally, as well as the micro as we navigate through this very windy road of a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like as we said before we hit record, it's like both beautiful and grueling at the same time. So it's so many pieces all at once. All at once. Our nervous systems are like, Hey, hey, by the way, yeah. if you weren't ever wanting to look at this fear or that trauma, like here it is. Front and, and center. Like, oh my gosh, hold on, like pump the brakes. Um, so you're right, it's it's beautiful. I mean, I think the human experience, mm-hmm. what's, we have to frame it in that. We almost, like, can we make pain beautiful? I know that sounds like very like masochistic, but it's like, it's here. Yeah. We better just accept that it exists and that we've been through a lot of pain and mm-hmm. that we need to move through it in order to potentially allow it to become what it wants to. And we yeah. should be in pain. Uh, it, I say that lightly, but like there's a lot wrong or like a lot that needs to be looked at and grieved mm-hmm. collectively yeah. and individually right now. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the misconception a lot of the time is when people say like make pain beautiful or you know what can you take from it is that it's not essentially undermining the pain that you feel actually Mm -hmm. it's you know bringing that pain to the surface in a new light so yeah I mean when I lost my dad in 2013 it took me a couple of years to see it in that way and for sure it's a process but now that I'm here it doesn't lessen the pain it doesn't lessen the hurt it doesn't lessen the loss but yeah. it reframes this in this way to where I am showing up so much more empathetic to everyone around me, to the collective. I have a lot more um, grace with myself and with other people. And so I think that is the point in feeling the pain and turning it into something beautiful. It's certainly not to take away from people's experiences or to pretend like it doesn't hurt or suck. Right. right. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. It's all like lost death of any kind is like, Mm -hmm. 
excruciating. Yeah. I don't want that. You know, it's like you hear the, like, do we have to hit rock bottom? Do we have to experience? And I'm like, I think that's a part of the human experience. And that's Mm -hmm. what cracks us open, cracks that heart open to like, great. Like you said so beautifully there and, and truly what a gift, um, that heartbreak can be over time. Like clearly it's, it's a both and it's Mm -hmm. shitty, painful, worst. And it's reminding you what's important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's backpedal a little bit. Um, let's talk about your background just so we all have a better idea of who Kylie is. So what was your childhood like and what are the pieces that led you to where you are now? Yeah, my childhood, I was the, I'm first born by 15 minutes. I have an identical twin sister. So that adds a nice little element (laughs) into my personal story and journey, uh, which I'm so incredibly grateful for. And I've had to do a lot of work around that core relationship actually, which is really fascinating because I don't, I feel like that is a, a relationship that only twins can understand. So it's like, it's like my whole life experience is so different Mm. because I have an identical twin sister, but anyways, (laughs) first born 15 minutes. And I really took on a lot of the first child role. So I was the perfectionist. I was the caretaker in my family system. And when I look back and reflect, a lot of that was just because I was highly sensitive and empathetic. And I wanted to make sure that everyone was okay. Everyone was good. Everyone was happy. Everyone was emotionally stable. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a child. (laughs) We call this like the parentified child, Mm -hmm. where the child tries to become the parent to soothe the whole family system. And I say that most of my childhood, um, there were elements of those roles. And then as I started to grow up in middle school and puberty kind of rocked me, it kind of like, I didn't really want to become an adult. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why I had so much fear as a young child of like stepping into womanhood. And there's a lot of reasons as to why I was resistant to becoming a woman and getting my period and, and moving through that initiation, Mm -hmm. um, both individually, but also I think collectively as women, there's a lot of reasons we are resistant to that transition. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when it, when there hasn't been a lot of liberated embodied or empowered women around you or surrounding you, or even the reclamation of, you know, the womb or the, the sacred, of even having a period of being a woman of being in this body. Right. So, um, instead of really, hmm, instead of really reclaiming womanhood at that time and period, as I continued to age, it was, how do we, how do I become like the father's daughter, not only the patriarchy's father's yeah. daughter, like whatever I need to do in order to, to, to be, successful in the system to be successful and loved in my relationships. I did it all from people pleasing to perfectionism to, uh, just like how I treated my body. Mm. Um, and like wanting to be one of the guys and not be dramatic. Like it was like, Oh my gosh, I got so far away from my center in, in an early, like in my early adulthood that, um, it was, it's been a reclamation journey since then of like really looking at all the times where I abandoned self, uh, for, to fit into 
this status quo and becoming a really like I don't even know almost like like a shell of a human really mm. oh yeah for a while so I was like oh. I was just trying to fit in everything external that I didn't even have any internal mm. ground to stand I didn't even know who I was until I was and I still I you know I think this is a journey of figuring out who you are, your soul, um, in my early twenties. So that was a little bit of my childhood. I, I have to say my family system, looking back and reflecting, I, I'm very, I won the birth lottery for sure. Mm. Like I have two incredible parents who love each other and who provided a really beautiful upbringing um, so a lot of privilege and I take that as a sacred responsibility to show up and, and share and learn and heal in the ways that I can to support the collective. Um, but with that being said, you know, there's elements of my childhood, of course, trauma patterns and loops and mm-hmm. things that, that, that were painful and that mm-hmm. I had to move through and that I had to move through with, within my family system. But mm-hmm. over the last eight years, it's been really beautiful in that I never thought I'd be able to create the depth of relationships that I have with my parents um, and with my siblings that I have now. And I wouldn't trade that for the world, but there's both the light and the dark. <laughs> yeah. With everything. Yeah. With everything. You have this really powerful vulnerability. That's both to me, super healing and incredibly refreshing. Like whenever I'm, looking through Instagram and I come across one of your posts, it's this really beautiful welcomed moment of pause because the best way I can put it is I feel like what you share just demands to be felt. It's not something that you can just like skim and then like move on to something about like a cup of coffee. You're like, even if you're looking at that cup of coffee, you're still downloading the message that you've given. You really put a lot of yourself into these messages that you share. So have you always been super open and someone who just shares their heart so freely or, or were there like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Does that take like a real courage for you to show up in that space? Yeah. Thank you for that acknowledgement. And just hearing you say that almost makes me want to cry. Um, because I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about feeling. Um, I was a very, like I said, very sensitive child. And it was funny because I was always, in, even in middle school, like in the middle of things, like of people's relationships, I wanted to help them. And like, mm-hmm. and then like, if somebody was, I mean, you know, it's dark, but it's true. Like suicidal, I was on the phone with them. Like mm-hmm. I was the one that was always trying to make sure that everyone was okay. Cause I was, I did really care. Um, that started to shut off, uh, in, in that, like, a lot of my protective strategies started to armor on probably around puberty and when I started to individuate into, like, needing to be this um, person mm-hmm. or however s- society wanted to mold me into, whoever I needed to be in order to be loved, accepted, and worthy. And in that process of separating from my true self, which is hard, open, vulnerable, like, you know, blubbering mess mm-hmm. at times which I'm so grateful for. I wouldn't trade my vulnerability and my emotional self for anything. It's it's my superpower. Um, and I think it's all of ours, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it didn't last for long. The armor, uh, I'll say it, it was so painful 
to be so disconnected from my heart. Mm. So I'd say that the disconnection process started to take place around 16 and until I was 24. So 16 to 24, I had pretty strong armor up where it was like, you were not, you were not seeing any emotion from me. Like it was like, everything's great. Like I've never been happier. Mm -hmm. And internally that was like the furthest thing from the truth. I was, Mm -hmm. like I said, dead inside. Like I was not, I was not, um, connected to my emotional self. And to be honest, I didn't even have the language. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know how to communicate about emotions. We're not taught that. Right. Like my, we're not taught that. Bless my parents. They weren't taught that either. So this has been like the classroom of all classrooms for me of like, Hey, what does this sensation mean? What am I feeling? I didn't even know the words. Mm -hmm. And so after my divorce, that's when it was like, Whoa, you need to really figure out what's happening inside because Mm -hmm. you can't live outside of yourself anymore. Like it's too painful. Mm -hmm. So I made the devotion and commitment to really marry my soul and marry my truth in that moment. And that's kind of catalyzed my journey back home to heart and, and opening up and gaining the strategies I need in order to live an open life without boundaries, without a, without connection to clean anger, without, you know, and that takes healing trauma, um, without all of those, in place, I wouldn't feel safe to actually open my heart to the world in the ways that I do. But since I have a really strong internal sense of who I am and of my boundaries, I feel very safe um, sharing my vulnerability and my heart with the world. Wasn't always the case. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there will still be moments where I'm like, ooh, that hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, But I must say, there's something really special about the community that I've cultivated on Instagram where I don't experience, I haven't experienced like negativity and and like towards me or my work or like anything I share, which like also can bring me to tears because I know how blessed I am to be on the internet and to not experience that. Mm. (laughs) So long story short, I was armored for probably a good eight years, but then the divorce kind of cracked me open and reminded me of why I'm really here, which is uh, to support individuals in really releasing the shackles of shame, so much shame mm-hmm. and fear and live live safely in their hearts because mm-hmm. that's why we're here, mm-hmm. to connect, mm-hmm. yeah, to love. Yeah. So it circles back to you know, making beauty out of pain, you know, going through that divorce is what rocked you. Certainly that didn't feel good to go through that. So with that being said, I want to flow into the subject of rock bottoms because it's such a dark place to be in. I've had plenty, um, which is just all the more reason I think to have light brought to its attention. Um, you do this really beautifully and I actually pulled a direct quote from you that I want to share here if that's okay. (laughs) So you said the rock bottom moments we face have the potential to become soul ripening initiations, transforming us from one version of self into a more whole aligned and mature version of self. It's so good. It's so powerful. And it's just so true. What would you say has been your biggest rock bottom to date? Would it be your divorce that kind of catalyzed you into this place where you are now? Yeah. You know, 
it's interesting to look back on on the last eight or so years in regards to rock bottom moments mm-hmm. because I'll say that the rock bottom or the rupture with my within my relationship with Mark actually was way more painful mm-hmm. than the rock bottom that I experienced in the divorce and the reason for that is because my connection to Mark was way deeper because of the work I had done post divorce oh sure yeah. Meaning that, like, my heart was open. It was like feeling it all. Oh, just feeling everything. And post divorce, I spiritually bypassed a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like in the clouds, like, you know, like mm-hmm. almost Eckhart Tolle vibes, like trying to just bypass any human emotion because it was just so much at the time. I'm not attached to anything. <laughs> I'm not attached to anything. Like, everything's love and light. And yeah. now I'm like, whoa, <laughs> chick, like, yeah. come back to planet Earth. That is definitely not reality. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so the rock bottom in the divorce was, I'll say it was the most disruptive in terms of identity because for the majority of my life, I was the perfect daughter. I was the perfect mm-hmm. wife. I was, the you know, quote unquote ideal of trying to fit into that ideal perfect woman box. And when I shattered after that, my, I lost my whole identity. I didn't even know who I was. And that was a scarier place to be in mm-hmm. from a psychological perspective than the rock bottom I experienced in my relationship with Mark. So they had different flavors and textures to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are probably two of the biggest ruptures that I've experienced to date. But they pushed me so deep into all of my unconscious wounding, all of my patterns, all of my unexpressed rage, grief, uh, sadness, fear, shame, like just, it was like not even an option. And I think for me, and I feel very blessed to even be able to state this is because of the love I shared in both of those relationships. Like they weren't, um, both of my partners, actually majority of my partners, I'd say all of my partners, which I know is a very blessed situation have been incredibly loving and respectful of me, which Again, I feel very blessed because mm-hmm. I know that's not the case for everyone. And don't get me wrong, there's there of course there's shared words during pain sometimes that but underlying it, it was mm-hmm. like a, a reverence and a respect for for my soul, which again, very grateful. But because of the the shared love and the pain around the actual loss, I was like, we're going in. Mm-hmm. We are going in. We've and I call it an emotional do. black hole. Yeah. Because it is it like and that's the that's the beauty in grief it's dense mm-hmm. it's like divine and, and density mm-hmm. it's the one that's like pulling you right back onto mother earth and it's like get in your body feel this like you are here to feel and it's like mm, i don't really want to at times <laughs> yeah. but grief does that it's like sorry this is this is the process mm-hmm. of renewal This is the medicine of remembrance. Like we need to grieve. We need to grieve the armor that's blocking our hearts. We need to grieve, um, you know, all of the wounding and all of the survival strategies we've had to create in order to, to really come out the other side Mm. of the rock bottom into that more mature aligned, um, embodied self or soul. Yeah. And I love to, Oh, go ahead. It's just, it's almost like, um, 
I, the rock bottom is potentially the moment where like all of the external shell starts to crack open. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're so tired. You're so exhausted. You're so like frustrated and, and sad and all the things that you don't really care as much about the armor or the identities. You're just like, fuck it. I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I don't really care of upholding this narrative or that. And that's, that has been the biggest gift Mm -hmm. out of the rock bottoms is I've gotten so clear around like, especially with my rupture with Mark is when I hit that rock bottom, what it ignited in me was a fire and like a so deep in my belly. Like it was like, nobody will tell me what they think, what they think I should do my path. Like I was just like, and of course that's a little guarded, but at the time it was like, I need to make sure that I'm not living my life for somebody else because I was still enmeshed in familial patterns that were kind of blocking me from actually having choice. And I, a soul that definitely does not, not like to have choice. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's like, what do I need to do in order to like honor yeah. me? That made me cry. <laughs> I'm like crying over here because I just, I feel all of that so deeply. That's like essentially what I've just gotten myself out of you know for the past year and a half I've been consciously on my own on purpose and it's been ugly it's my first time figuring out who I am I've always been someone something and now I am like just myself and something that I you know we go through little rock bottoms all the time but like you know when you're in a big one and something that I kept repeating to myself with this last one was I would say out loud something big is coming Like, you Mm -hmm. know, it would kind of just, like, let me move through kind of, like, water, you know, just, like, be so fluid with myself and with the rock bottom and just say, like, there is, this is for the greater good, you know, both for me and, like, hopefully I'll have some wisdom and, you know, love to share on the other side of this. Um, Oh, you? Yes. Oh, you already do. I'm trying. (laughs) You're great. Oh, thanks. So. There is that, um. That's the only thing that actually got me through Mm. the very statement that you just said is Mm. like, there's something so much more on the other side. And I actually Mm. knew that, like not from an intellectual, like it was like a deep soul knowing. Oh yeah. And I think that's what I'm hearing from you is like, oh no, I can trust. There's something, there's something bigger. There's something I can't see. There's something more in alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been proven over and over for me as well. So mm-hmm. just to confirm that you are yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. It's like this energetic push. That's like, you know, you really feel yeah. like there's like a force that's just like, like a hand on your back, like go, 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 go. Like a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. I know it sucks, but you know, and then one day you wake up and honestly it is, it's just like, you can breathe a little bit deeper. Your shoulders are a little bit more relaxed. You're not living in so much fear. Um, and I mean, it's no secret that it isn't an overnight fix. It, it takes a lot of work, but what would you tell anyone who's listening, who's maybe teetering on the edge or in their own rock bottom? What is some, what is like the one piece of guidance that you would want them to hear right now? Everything's going to be okay. You know, I think the frightened parts of us in those rock bottom moments are like, we're dying. Mm -hmm. We're dead. Like, Mm -hmm. this is, this is, 
this is pretty bad or it'll never be the same or, you know, I'm broken or mm. all of the narratives that kind of pop up in, in those rock bottom moments that ask us to, to see, to hold. Um, and it is going to be okay. It's actually going to be way better than okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just to remind yourself in that moment, like I'm, I'm okay. I'm safe. And this is all happening for whatever reason, but hopefully <laughs> moving us into that deeper connection to self, to soul, to something, to something bigger, mm-hmm. deeper, wider, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> more loving. Absolutely. So in the spirit of vulnerability, what are some of your reoccurring triggers or fears that you're currently working through or continue to work through? I think we all have our, our little roadblocks that show up for us time and time again. Mine is definitely wrapped up in self-worth or lack thereof. Um, something that I constantly have to go back and redo a lot of work, um, which can be frustrating, but what are, what's something that shows up for you? Hmm. This question is good, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that the, my biggest block or something that I've, I've been working through over the last couple of months is really trusting self mm-hmm. and trusting my intuition, trusting my soul and placing that before anything and I know that's very challenging as as a woman who's been conditioned to put everything else before them Mm -hmm. and I mean that's been drained into my subconscious for years not only in my family system but in my lineage like you just look it's like absolutely subservient 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 and I'm like what the (laughs) I'm like no this pattern ends here me yeah I love Um, that and, and to some extent to be like especially right now I think as I'm still coming into like such a deeper anchor in self and soul and truth for me Mm -hmm. that I have to be a little bit more protective and that can come off really um guarded Mm -hmm. you know but I'm like it's necessary because I've never been there do you know what I mean yeah where it's like if I had been there before it'd be easier to just be fluid with some of those boundaries. But it's like right now what's being asked and called of me is that I stand so strongly in the truth and not allow any interference to get in the way of my work Mm. of where I'm supposed to be in the world right now of how I'm supposed to serve during this time. And this is an invitation for all of us because we all will have a different, um, this will look different for every single soul. And I believe that if we're in tune with this deeper truth connection, um, not only to, anchored to mother earth, but also to our soul spirit that we will be in the right place, wherever that might be doing what we need to be doing during this time. As we move through what feels like a massive shift on the planet, it really does. I feel like consciousness is evolving right now and we're kind of not to get, you know, into the spiritual conversation, but it's oh, like, you're good here. I know that, for me personally, like all of the systems in last year, like all crumbled internally for me. And I know that that's because it's coming and it's like, Oh gosh, like we're, you know, wow, what is happening? So I just, I think for me, um, the biggest block is to stay anchored in truth and not allow 
you know, other things to interfere with that. Cause it's very easy to allow everything to interfere with that, especially on this planet when, you know, even acting in alignment with your truth of your, with your message, with anything is, is, is a revolution, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And talking about, you know, the current state of the world, I'd, I'd really love to, I don't know, I guess get your input input on how you would guide people who are deeply rooted in fear right now because that is just so real and it's so human but there is a way to to be super conscious in this moment and still allow fear to ride alongside you but it doesn't have to be the driver yeah yeah it's such a such an important conversation and talking point um right now collectively um first of all your fear is valid right like like you said so just giving yourself permission to feel that fear And I think for me, what's important, especially when we're talking about fear, is we really need to understand how the nervous system operates Mm -hmm. and how trauma, developmental, as well as intergenerational, ancestral trauma actually shows up and and encodes itself in, in the nervous system to really keep a majority of us in this constant state of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And for me, what's been really important in this conversation specifically around the global cultural landscape is we need to zoom out. This Mm. is not just an individual issue and we need to zoom out and externalize even the fear. And why I say that is because we have been living uh, in a system like an operating system that keeps us in that fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. Most of us on the planet don't even know what regulated nervous system feels like. I didn't even know what it felt like until last year. Like, and I've done a lot of damn work. So, and I'm very privileged, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we start to look at socioeconomic and then, you know, racialized trauma and all of these other elements that are very real for a lot of souls. Um, The fear of survival in a system that keeps us all hyper-individualized and reliant on only our capacity to make money and to, to really keep the system going. Um, I think system, I think from a macro level, it keeps us in fight or flight. So the reason I wanted to bring that up and zoom it out a little bit is because to even not be in fight or flight Mm -hmm. on this planet and this time in North America is a, is an anomaly like, <laughs> because the systems don't actually invite a regulated nervous system. Look at all of our messages. So true. You know, our myth in progress right now is is just barbaric. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not worthy unless you're doing, 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 doing. And, you know, we're stuck on these rat wheels that feed market and state and economy. And it's like, for what? Mm-hmm. Like, just to put food on the table, like earn a living. I hate that statement. Like, I'm just like, what happened? How did we get so far? So, I'm going to, I'm going to reel this back in a little bit. (laughs) I think most revolutionary thing people can do for themselves is to focus on nervous system health. And a lot of the way you can do that is through psychoeducation and even understanding how the nervous system operates, Mm -hmm. because without that awareness, it's very hard to start to embody or even understand the triggers and, and realize it's not actually your fault. Like there's a, this is old. And this is very real and very normal. And 
with that being said, the invitation is what is going to nourish my nervous system and support me in trusting, mm-hmm. trusting self, trusting life. Most people don't trust life. They don't even trust we don't even trust each other. It ensures I don't trust ourselves because we've, you know, self-abandonment has been a requirement to live in this system. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, <laughs> this is a much bigger conversation clearly, no, um, is, is coming back home to body yeah. and connection, intimacy, like we need each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that for me, is one of the only ways I've been able to soothe my nervous system over time is, is by asking for physical touch. And I've, you know, I work with a somatic experiencing therapist, which has been pretty revolutionary for my nervous system healing. And I realize that that is a privilege and that not everybody has the resources to do so, but there are a lot of really beautiful resources to support in this um, healing for individuals. Um, so <sighs> that mm-hmm. mother nature. Yeah. We need to reconnect there as well. Absolutely. I talk a lot about um, Reiki here with the listeners. That's definitely my go-to for when I feel like my nervous system is out of whack. And I appreciate nature for sure, but I've never felt so like moved by it than I have mm-hmm. now. And I that's no coincidence, obviously, right? I mean... I know Chicago, Illinois is under stay-at-home orders, and so being able to go outside really does feel like a privilege at this point, but there's something about, it might sound trite, but even, like, the way the air is, like, entering my lungs, I'm just like, what is this? This is, like, medicine. I've never felt it be so medicinal, and I've been through some pretty dark, grieving times, and this is just different. And I really do think it's because it is like an energetic collective experience. Like you said, it's not just me going through this. It's, I can see the person across the street and be like, you're probably feeling the same thing or some version of it. Yeah. Isn't that weird that we're all going through a collective rock bottom right now? Yeah, it's weird. And I was talking to my mom about it. There's like this really fucked up part of me. It's actually, it's not that fucked up, but like that's been really comforting actually because when I'm in it yeah I'm like first of all it allows me to take a step back and see all the privilege right like I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. to be where I am in this state of the world like I it makes me cry because I know that there are so many people who are probably terrified um and I hate that but at the same time too it's like when I'm having moments of what am I going to do or how am I going to get through this it's like my brain like you said it just zooms out And all of a sudden I can like envision this huge circle of just like every person on this planet asking themselves Mm -hmm. the same thing or looking to the right, asking that person the same question. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's so normal too. Like it is much, I'll say energetically, it feels like a lot more to handle, to Mm -hmm. hold (laughs) the whole world's going. Absolutely. Right. There isn't a comforting element of like, we're actually all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and what are we going to do with this, this, this boat on this journey mm-hmm. right here at this time and place? Yeah. And it's really going about it in this different way, because a lot of times if like something is happening like to one country, but not all of the others, one of those is trying to figure out how they can help that country. And now we're all just like, how can we all help each other? 
because, you know, it's like just, I feel like a broken record, but yeah, it's just, it's very different and very eye-opening and in so many, so many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of touched on this a little bit ago and I really wanted to get into this because last year you endured a pretty public separation from Mark and quite honestly, I've never witnessed something so honest and graceful between two people. The way that you both held space for each other and your experiences was just really beautiful. And I know I'm not just speaking for myself. You, it was shown through comments that you guys both really moved a lot of people and showed them what's possible. Um, that separation doesn't have to be rooted in fear and that you don't have to have a reason to be angry, right, in order to move on. Mm-hmm. So what did you take away from actually honoring the separation rather than just putting a lid on it and burying it and going your separate ways? What what was the biggest gift in that conscious, loving approach? Mm. <laughs> There's so many gifts. Mm-hmm. It's really like, I actually was just even talking to Mark about this yesterday. I was like, holy, I was like, I could cry with gratitude for the invitation of last year for us both as we navigated that together. Um, what was so potent and powerful for me in that separation and, and rupturing is Mark and I were very committed to holding a very um, respectful and almost graceful and unconditional loving approach to that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a testament to to actually the gift that Mark and I were supposed to bring to this planet as two individuals who've done a lot of work, who can actually model something different. Mm. Um, because, you know, separation and historically it's like, you know, you have to have a reason somebody has to be broken or Mm -hmm. you have to be angry or somebody fucked up or it's like all of these things. And I'm like, uh, that doesn't actually take into the full consideration of what a human, like the purpose of human relationship. Like for me, um, and, and luckily, um, I, you know, with Mark is there is an understanding of a spiritual or soul element of like, there is again, a bigger reason that this is being invited of us at this time and whatever that might turn into or form into who the hell knows. Mm-hmm. But, um, just, having again that understanding in relationship though so it wasn't just solo it was like an in relationship we both knew that there was a reason and an invitation that our relationship had to go its separate ways last year like we were very clear it was like whoa if we don't like well one I was potentially I was really sick love like most people don't actually know the full story of of Mark and I's um, container and what happened. Um, and I haven't shared that yet. And it's something that I haven't felt called to share because I consider my relationship with Mark and our container very sacred Mm -hmm. and it hasn't felt complete. It's not the right word, but it just hasn't felt like it's the work is done. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. Where it's like, if I got on Instagram tomorrow after, that separation and started talking about it I'd look back at it now and be like what the fuck (laughs) I was not ready yeah you should not have been talking because that had nothing to do with it you know like you're in this like very micro and you're like oh it's this and it's like "Mm." and then you like zoom out to now and you're like 
oh no, what it really was was a catalyzing like force beyond beyond anything I've ever experienced to actually look at yeah. how the systems were impacting Mark and I in our relationship and blocking us from actually stepping into the deeper love. We mm-hmm. actually had to in both in our individual containers and in the respective healing container had to unpack and dismantle what feels like the whole 3d reality, which was incredibly painful as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But I had to heal my cultural attachments to patriarchy. And I think that was one of the biggest gifts that was received in our separation is, is looking at the power dynamics as well as all the shame I was still carrying. Um, n- not only um, because even, you know, through the religious lens of women are less than, we didn't even have souls until 100 years ago based off of some of those religious frameworks, which triggers the, you know, what out of me. Um, And then, like, you know, just looking at these power dynamics and how there was, like, always a less than. And so I was always blocked and limited in my power in that relational dynamic because that was all I knew, right? So it was such, and Mark was such a, big catalyst for me he's like especially towards the end he was like you're like basically it was like you're more powerful than me you're smarter than me you're like all these things and he's like why aren't you taking up space and I was like I am I have no idea like I'm like I feel like I'm three years old right now oh that awareness that he had for you is beautiful yeah the awareness he kept calling me but I was like sorry can't see it like I'm so you know wrapped in this trauma vortex and when I reflect on that, a lot of that's because I had so much work to do with the feminine. Mm-hmm. Like I was, you know, my inner patriarch was totally doing what the external was doing to the feminine on this planet internally to me. So I wasn't even allowing space. I wasn't even allowing for my needs to be met in certain areas because it just wasn't even a thought or a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that rupture, it was like, you are going to reclaim your power. <laughs> so that took me on a, on a very beautiful journey. And then I decided to do a no man diet, which that is a whole other topic of conversation that, whoa. And it sounds like you've done something similar in the last. Did you call it a no man diet? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like I I made the conscious choice, yeah, for I put like a, a not a date, but I put like a concrete year on it, which is kind of silly and like I I dated for the sense of with the sole purpose of getting to know myself and standing up for myself and like you said taking space. Um and I wasn't really attached to anything going in, but I was also just open, but it was very much about myself. Um, and it's been six months since that. And I'm still just in this place of like, I'm just so damn happy here and I'm still learning so much. And I've just surrendered to like what shows up, shows up. And if it doesn't, and you know, for however long I'm, I'm not completely home, but I'm like on, Mm. on my front lawn for sure. I'm getting really, really (laughs) close. That was a really lazy metaphor, but. That's okay. Yes, I love it. It's um, beautiful. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so it's felt really good. I mean, I think I've never not, like I said, been someone something. And so much like you, I have always been determined by my worth being like if I was with someone. Because society told me that to be worthy, I had to be someone's partner and then someone's mother. 
And these are things that I want, but I want them on my own terms. I don't, I reject. I deep, my soul finally like got loud and was like, we reject that fucking notion that by a certain time or by other people's standards, this is who you should be with. This is how it should look like. I just can't fucking do it. I can't. Yeah. Delete. Yeah. Delete, delete. Yeah. Nothing to do with that. Yeah. I'm always shocked when people are like, do you feel shame around being single and 30? And I'm like, are you kidding? No, I feel yeah. everything but that. I was like, I can't even believe that's a narrative. I was like, I, I feel so blessed and grateful that I even know myself that I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. liberated from all of those narratives mm-hmm. that kind of just into those unfulfilling places at times. Oh, yeah. Because they're not coming from truth. They're coming from external in instead of yeah. internal out. So, yeah. And I always just you- come back to the piece of like, whenever I do get like triggered by that, shame because again society and even like some of my friends sometimes will say things that don't land very well um in regards to like being in my 30s and single and I think what I ultimately always come back to is like this deep sense of gratitude for like when I do find the person that I choose to be with um I will be showing up in a way that is so brand new to me and that is so full and whoever I choose to give my time to will be so deserving of that. And yes, there's always going to be work to do in partnership. That is a big piece of partnership, but like how lovely that so many of those little triggers will already be unpacked and I won't, I'll be able to hear the call, right? Like you said, I'll be able to hear when my partner's like, yo, you're not really taking up space. I'll be like, oh, you're right. Here I am, you know, and be able to just like own those pieces of myself. Yeah. So I don't see it as a loss at all. I see it as like a huge gift and I'm I'm grateful to be patient you know I do have that on my side yeah and what I'm hearing you say too is like the capacity to make conscious choice Mm -hmm. that's ruency with your heart your knowing instead of it being like following that script Mm -hmm. of like oh Mm -hmm. you should be this you should be it's like no Mm -hmm. no that's actually not true for me yeah and being able to like kind of create your own your own world instead of living inside of somebody else's. Which, Absolutely. You know. Yeah. And it just comes back to the self, like honoring her, taking care of her and giving her what she needs. Um, so when you get super clear with yourself, like in this moment, what is it that you desire most from your life? <laughs> oh, gosh, I love this. I love this. What do I desire most from my life? You know, um, I actually thought about this question recently, last, like a couple weeks ago. Um, I desire I think for me right now is like I desire deep, 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 like sacred union, like level love. And not only in my partnership but also I just I really hope that I can model a new way of living and being in this world through my conscious choice and with in congruency with some of my friends and my family to really build out um, a new way of living um, that's more self-sustainable that's rooted in shared humanity that's rooted in everyone being in their right energy and, and being in right relationship with the earth and 
who are committed to ushering in a new, maybe not new, but maybe a reclaimed, but also mm-hmm. upgraded way that is supportive of the all. Like, again, it's the reclamation of the feminine principle. Yeah. It's like remembering the importance of community. So I think my desire is to really model that not only in my partnership, but in the world with how I choose to live and what I choose to say, what I choose to do, what I choose to invest in from an energetic perspective to even, you know, my personal output of energy. Um, and all of that coming from being in my truth, mm-hmm. because I think just even modeling that is, you know, potentially a revolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I think the younger generations are hungry for it. Yeah. Like the young, young, you'll see, like even talking to the young kids, kids, it's like, they're way wiser than uh, 90% of the people I know. I'm like, what did you just say? I'm just like, holy, like we are the sacrificial generation going through this paradigm shift to just even make space for these beings mm-hmm. to come in and live That's their exciting. like magic out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so much more to life, Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Like for me, Mm -hmm. it's not, um, I think there's a lot of unseen and a lot of things that we've been hidden from within ourselves, other realms, other potentials, magic, all of the things that just, you know, are blocked by trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I really want to open that back up. Yeah. I want it to make reality a lot more weird and fun and beautiful and, and magical and be in ceremony with individuals and, and grieve together and, Mm -hmm you know, laugh together and to love deeply. That's my desire. And to make it a space for people to be able to get curious again and ask the questions that they want to ask and not just have it be like, oh, this is just the way that it is and sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. Like, I'm not here to fight anybody. Like, everybody can choose their life and choose to live however they want, but I'm going to model something that potentially makes you ask a question as to how... (laughs) how you you might be able to live your life. Absolutely. So even as someone who, I'm speaking of you, um, who does so much work staying in her truth, staying grounded and, you know, really anchored, when you're feeling out of alignment, because we're human and it happens, where do you feel it most? Is it physical in your body or is it usually guided by your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's definitely physical for me. It's, my body is loud mm-hmm. and at times I'm really not stoked on that yeah. but at other times it's like whoa like whatever's coming through in my body right now is like it's a hard like it's telling it's communicating very clearly for me mm-hmm. so for me when it's out of alignment or something's coming up that's the invitation to get curious is to inquire okay what's coming up here mm-hmm. and can mm-hmm. I hold um can I hold a both hand like mm-hmm. this is actually just what's true for me and I'm open to looking at what, what's here. Absolutely. Do you have any sacred practices or any tools that you fall back on when you find yourself feeling that physical discomfort? Yeah, I, I think sisterhood for me has been imperative in this, just being able to have a safe space to talk and share what's coming up and being witnessed and heard and honored. Um, which is something I hope and wish for every single soul, Mm -hmm. whether it's a brotherhood, sisterhood, friendship, safe spaces. Um, But also, yeah, I mean, dance practice Mm -hmm. is something that 
I am very committed to as as a gift, not only to my body, but to my soul and to just move energy and just be present in my body. So that I definitely anchor in a meditation and journaling a lot when I'm moving through like things that are coming to the surface from the body. So lots in the tool bag, but yeah. So I want to flow into your coaching program. So this is where Mm -hmm. you work with clients one-on-one. What is the kind of support that's needed from your clients most? Do you find? Is there a, a trending underlying mm. theme that comes through? Yeah, I think for, for most people who reach out to me, what they're looking for support around is really remembering their truth and who they are outside mm. of societal familial narratives mm. and, and working through the shame uh, that and shame and grief that has accumulated because of not only those external narratives but also internal narratives and the grief of being so far from self for mm-hmm. so long mm-hmm. as well as I guess I'll say um, cultivating a healthy relationship with the unknown mm. so getting really okay in that space of not knowing and trusting and releasing anything that's not serving or feeling good or congruent with where they're at or where they want to go. So a lot of shedding, releasing not only our protective layers, but in the attachments Mm -hmm. that are no longer serving and having the courage to step forward on their path and go through that death and rebirth cycle. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you actively taking clients now for anyone who's listening, who might be getting a big download from this? Yeah, I just recently actually, like two weeks ago, opened up my coaching client. I, it was just like I was feeling like I needed to work with people again. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me feel grounded because I feel like I can support in that way mm-hmm. for those that are called to do this work, especially during this time. So I have opened up a few spots. Good. Um, I have to be I'm a little mindful of my energetic yeah. output right now. So Absolutely. I want to give my 100 and 10% to the clients that I do work with. But yes, I do have some openings. Okay, good. You also um, have a 31-day journaling guide called Her Journey Home, which I just got and I cannot wait to dive into. Um, Was this something that you created based on just your own journaling practices and things that would come up for you or what inspired you to create this? I love journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, having writing prompts, especially when I'm going through any major um, rock bottom moment, that has been such a beautiful way to tap into the deeper layers. Because there's mm. something about when we get in that zone where it's just like our heart opens and it's just like everything starts to come out. And I wanted to create a, a practice, um, 31 days for people to really go internal, to get to know themselves, to to reflect and to be with and to hold all of these parts of who they are. Mm -hmm. And so my intention was to really invite people to come home into themselves instead of focusing so much on the external. Absolutely. I'll link that in the show notes for everyone because I just truly feel like there is not a more beautiful time to be doing that kind of work and answering those questions. So like I said, I'm excited to dig into it myself. Um, and then one last thing before we get into some rapid fire questions, but I wanted you to touch on Zura health and how that came to be and what the sole mission is behind this beautiful Mm. business. 
Yeah. Zero Health was born out of the divorce and and really what I was angry. I'll be honest. I was so after I got divorced, I was so angry that nobody had given me the tools or the education to understand my internal world. Mm. Like I felt like I was walking around blind on autopilot with no tools to respond in ways that were aligned with, (laughs) with anything. So in that awakening, I was like, everybody needs to have this emotional intelligence piece. They need to understand how their mind works, how their subconscious and unconscious mind works, how triggers work, how relationships work, how emotional needs are present, like trauma. Like it was just like, everybody needs this Mm -hmm. because if we don't, we're all fucked basically (laughs) (laughs) so at that time I wanted Jess and I my twin sister co-founder uh wanted to develop the whole medical system which you know we were really ambitious at 25 (laughs) we were like we're gonna completely transform the way the medical system operates and and focus on preventative measures instead of just focusing on this very reductionistic um symptom management system which we live in Mm -hmm. um so we started there and we ran into quite a few roadblocks as one might can, one might imagine um, to women talking about integrative and holistic health in a, in a model that wasn't ready or open for it five years ago. They, mm-hmm. I will say they're definitely shifting with functional medicine and it's opening more to this conversation around meditation and emotional intelligence and relational well-being as very and spiritual well-being as very important factors in everybody's health and wellness. So uh, that was the initial like catalyst for the work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's formed quite a bit since then. And now we are focusing solely on certifying coaches mm-hmm. who are looking for a very integrative trauma informed, justice informed, spiritually informed model to support individuals in reclaiming an internal and external harmony in their lives. So um, good. So important. Which, yeah. It's been really I mean, it's, it's almost like just the accumulation of all of our life's work into a program to support, um, others. So that feels nourishing aligned and and on purpose. So Mm, thanks for asking. Yeah, of course. And you have a podcast too, right? I do. Um, the zero health podcast, which has also been, I don't know about for you, but for me, when I first started the podcast is I was terrified. I was Mm -hmm. like, am I going to sound stupid? Do I even know how to ask questions? Am I going to, it's like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, all the things. And now I'm like, we're just having a conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, like remove the pressure. It doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't, you know, so it's been such an exercise in reclaiming voice for Mm -hmm. me. And, and I don't know if you felt that as well, but it's like, Oh yeah, I'm worthy. What I have to say matters. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is the space that lights me up the most. I actually don't, what's, what was really interesting about it for me and which is why I gave myself the complete green light was that I noticed for the first time in my life with anything, I had zero reservations about showing up here. I just dove in. I was like, this feels fucking good. Like every fiber in my being lights up. I get like tingly when I'm recording and it just flows. And I'm so grateful for that because like I said, I've never really experienced that with anything in my life. So yeah. And I think you're right. I think it does have something to do with like someone who's always kind of played small or been like shoved into like this little corner, being able to have this platform where I'm like, I'm so free to 
speak freely and, you know, yeah, like let my voice be heard by who needs to hear it. And if you don't, that's okay. And honestly, I can't really tell if you're not, you know, that's kind of nice too. It's not like Instagram. It's like, I, I don't know who's listening and who's not. Um, right, so right. it's, yeah, it's been really therapeutic for me. So I acknowledge you for that. Thank you. you. I mean, yes, it was definitely scary. I'm not going to take away that. Like the first episode, I was like, oh, what am I doing? When I go back and if I hear the first like five or ten, I can tell just how afraid I was because my voice was so high and I just like was not in my authentic throat center yet. But now it's like we're good. Dialed. Yeah, dialed in. So I want to close out with what I call rapid fire questions. I need to find a new name for that because I, please take your time. Don't feel like you have to like spout off answers really fast, but um, are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. In this season of life, what are you most grateful for? (laughs) So much. I feel very blessed and grateful to have space internal and in my mind and my emotions. Mm -hmm. What's something that you value about yourself? Hmm. I value my capacity to, to hold, to hold anything with love Mm -hmm. and grace for the most part. I'm pretty like, I'm, I feel pretty confident in my capacity to do so. That's a a superpower. Mm -hmm. What has been your hardest life lesson? Surrender. Trust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Coffee or tea? Or neither? Both. Yeah. What is your Mm -hmm. morning ritual if you have one? It changes. I'm very much guided by my intuition in the morning. Um, sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes it's dancing. Sometimes it's meditating. Sometimes it's enjoying a cup of coffee or tea by the ocean. Mm. Really good. I'm, I'm in a place now where I used to be more rigid with that, but now I have, I've cultivated enough self-trust to just be able to, to guide that process. To flow. Yeah. Is, does the same go for your evening setup? I'm pretty routine actually at night. I oh, don't know what that is. What does that look like? Yeah. I, I really like my nighttime routine, so that feels, yeah, it feels solid. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Uh, well, outside of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in mean, normal I'm, life in I'm Canada. I'm not home right now. Yeah. I'm not home right now, so it's definitely changed it a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, I usually shower depending on if, I, depending on if I work out at night or not, but, um, shower and then I dance, like I put on a timer and I dance for 11 minutes and I put on my diffuser and I just flow and then I get into bed and either read a book or write in my journal and yeah, simple. So good. Simple is good. What is your, what is your spirit animal? right now Mm. eagle Ooh, that's a great answer yeah eagle is the one that sees the macro and that's where I'm at right now I'm like macro macro yeah seeing it all if you were a color what color would you be green what is something that breaks your heart 
Oh God, so much breaks my heart. I think what breaks my heart the most is just how far away humanity is from, from remembering and knowing their true goodness, their original innocence and their power. Like that breaks my heart because we've been so conditioned and so almost like mentally, you know, for lack of better words, just like distorted. Mm about who we truly are Mm -hmm. and that really breaks my heart because I look at people and I'm like no that's that's not actually true Mm -hmm. like at the core level that's not actually true um so that breaks my heart on the flip side of other things Mm -hmm. yeah exactly (laughs) well on the flip side then what's something that soothes your soul uh what soothes my soul is is the power of remembrance Mm. and the the goodness that does exist underneath all of the survival strategies like I trust in that under over everything so good what song or musician is on repeat for you right now Maggie Rogers oh she's fantastic it's just on repeat. There's something about her and Dermot Kennedy that are just like speaking to every layer of my soul and being. So mm. do you have a favorite book? Hmm. Do I have a favorite book? I love books. Um, I'd say that my favorite. Oh, that's hard. What are you I'm reading right on. now? Uh, I'm reading the wild edge of sorrow by Francis Weller, which is incredible. Um, I really liked Cl- Clarissa Pinkola Estes, um, Woman Who Run With Wolves. Uh, that was a really... That is such an important book. Inc- that book needs to be read by every woman on the planet. I want it to be taught in schools. <laughs> like, I think every male should read that book as well. It's so every, good. Yeah. Every Everyone needs to read that book. It's... Also, I read this book recently, which I just want to share because I think it's such an important book. It's called Womb Awakening. Hmm. And so it's really reawakening our connection to womb as like one of the most powerful centers on the planet, considering it's the portal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I highly recommend that book as well to every, every listener. Okay. I'll link that too. Um, if you could go anywhere in the world, once this is over and it's safe to do so, where would you go? Hmm. Where would I go? Well, I was planning on going to Peru, so that would be... Yeah. I love Peru. Sacred Valley is where I'd want to go. When you think of being human, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Painfully beautiful. Like, you know, kind of just full circle it up. It's Mm -hmm. just like, it's a lot here. Pain and beauty. Pain and beauty. Pain and beauty. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay, lastly, where can people find you? Yeah, the best place to find me right now is still on Instagram at being is beautiful. I tend to share my heart whenever it feels called to share <laughs> there. Get ready for some downloads, people. It's a sacred <laughs> space, that Instagram page. Well, thank you so much for being here and for being just so steadfast in your truth. It's incredibly inspiring, and I'm just really grateful that you're willing to share your magical insides with all of us it's such a gift so thank you thank you so much i really enjoyed this conversation so much fun and i 
can't wait to connect with you again. Well, that conversation has me buzzing. I'm feeling so many things. My voice is even like just a little bit raspy, I think, because like I, I just, there's so much energetically within my throat that was able to be expressed. And um, I just felt very seen by Kylie and all the same, I was seeing her for who she is, which is just a light and filled with so much heart and love. And I'm so excited to get to share her with all of you for those of you who weren't familiar with Kylie and her message she's she's a she's a powerful vessel so I encourage you to follow along as she said on Instagram at being is beautiful everything will be linked in the show notes that we talked about so feel free to visit that to get more of Kylie and um, to check out some links that we talked about through the conversation if you feel called to do so I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and just leave a really quick review five-star rating if this show landed well for you and just share it with any any of your friends, any of your family, any human that you know that you feel like could really benefit from this episode, which honestly right now in this time, I feel like we all could use a lot of love and a lot of clarity and a lot of shame releasing and fear releasing, which I think this episode covers so beautifully. As always, I'm just so grateful that you're here and that you keep showing up. Let's just keep uh, growing and healing together.